Ali, thank you so much for your time. Um, we've been following your work so like for many, many years. Um, I actually found you through Charlie because he's one of my heroes out there. Uh, and now you okay. are one as well. Um, and thank you for <laughs> all the amazing material and information you put out there because uh, you're making a difference. And thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I know we had tried to plan this like since last year and it was so crazy with our wedding and everything that uh, it's good to finally connect and do this. <laughs> I cannot wait. And also some future plans that when all this COVID malarkey goes out of the way, we can start uh, get the, getting the ball rolling, actually. Yes, I love in-person events so much. It's just so much better than doing a, a talk over Zoom because you you just develop a relationship with the audience, even if they're not even saying anything to you. You can just kind of read them and be able to, you know, speak with your body language and make more of an impact versus being like a talking head. And sometimes you can see the people who are watching you, but if there's a lot, you're only seeing like four people and you can't yeah. tell if they're laughing or smiling or anything. So, yeah. And it's also the same of, you know, trying to actually put out through all the information. It's not as easy as being there. Um, being Greek, I'm really tactile and I'm, you know, moving around and we know from psychology that helps a lot. And also when it's about, it's a, something about like the physicality of what you're trying to input, it's makes a massive difference being in vivo rather than like in Zoom. Big time, yeah. Like <laughs> how do you find sunny Florida? I've, uh, I know you moved, so how is it? Yeah, we, we moved to Florida last April, um, which has been fantastic because it's now disgustingly cold back in New England. I'm from Connecticut originally, and it's 75 and I don't wear many clothes down here and haven't for a while, so I, I love it. It's great. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's one of the, the plans because uh, my brother just moved here, like, uh, I think the same period as you guys did. And I'm so looking forward to uh, coming up at some point when things are not as crazy as they are. Yes, hopefully soon. <laughs> so let's talk about test, baby. Testosterone. <laughs> I love the information you put out there. And um, yes, everything starts with the brain, the hypothalamus and the pulse <laughs> to the gonadotropin releasing hormone. So we can get some the luteinizing hormone saying, okay, let's get some tests out there. But we are seeing uh, from the past papers I've been seeing from the 1950s till now, it's been declining. Yeah, it's been declining steadily around 1% per year. And when you add that up over the course of the last few decades, it's quite a large percentage. So I would say the, the steep decline started like in 1980 or yeah, 1980-ish and I'm 40. So I was born in 81. So if you think 40% drop since then, that's pretty big. And yeah. it's, it's scary because it's, um, you know, our grandfathers probably had test levels that are now considered like way super physiologically high which is crazy. And that's natural. That's not even taking, you know, exogenous testosterone or anything else. So men are kind of in their own pandemic where they're dealing with chronically, you know, declining levels of testosterone in addition to what the hell is going on? How do I mitigate it? Because the increase of prescriptions for TRT has also gone up. Oh, yeah. And at the same time, they're lowering the levels of men as an average, because guys are showing up with lower and lower levels. So for frame of reference, 
I would say when when things were more normal, men's levels were thought to have a range of 350 to around 1500. And now many labs like Quest and LabCorp and, and other um, other companies have since lowered the range like twice. And I think the last time was 2017. And then subsequently, I think in the last year, Quest also lowered theirs to where it was around 182 to like 780 at the top end of the range, which is like awful. Um, and I would say being over 500 would be where somebody would feel their best optimally. Now, the range also is massive. So if you're saying even 350 to 1500 or even, you know, 180 to 780, pretty big range where if you have some somebody who's like 32 years old and their testosterone is 200, many doctors will consider them as normal and they may feel horrible. And so obviously symptoms are huge in this because you could also have a testosterone total level of 600 and really not feel so good and still be symptomatic. So going by what's on a piece of paper, according to a lab is only part of the puzzle. Cause you really want to attack this from like, all right, how, how do you feel? And guys say, well, how do I know if I have T that's low? I'm 37, I'm 42. That's really considered young compared to, we would think low testosterone as guys over 60, but now it's showing up in guys who are younger and younger. Yeah. Mid thirties. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're think if you're mid thirties and you think, oh my God, no wonder I feel depressed. I feel lethargic. I don't have motivation or drive for the gym, for my career, for Next. bedroom activities, like anything. Yeah. If you don't have that, that might indicate you may be dealing with low testosterone because the symptoms of depression are very similar to low T. And so guys are like, oh my gosh, this could totally be me. And it seems like it's, it's like everybody has it because after, you know, dealing with COVID for two years and the stress of that, like, of course, that's going to put somewhat of a damper on anyone's mood, but it's really being in touch with how you feel as a man and where you used to feel and comparing the two and seeing if there's a massive drop in those qualities that I just listed, in addition to erection strength, sex drive, libido, all those things can be tied to testosterone. Um, though libido is a little bit more stress related, which we can end up talking about, but it, it really sets a, a picture for guys to start thinking about how they felt when they were younger compared to how they're feeling now from a hormonal perspective. And the important part is what you said before is how do I know that I've got a low test? And what I usually say to my patients is you need data. So that means that every year or every other year, you need to keep a track record so you can actually go back and just see how actually everything changes. It's not like we're doing it for fun. Same thing with anything, because yes, the ranges are there in order to figure out where we are at. But when we're saying from 392, let's say 1300 used to be, that's a big range. Same thing as I say for thyroid and autoimmunity, right? When people say about TSH, it's, oh, it's in, in, in the middle. And I was like, what does that exactly mean? It's like when you when you're in the highway, it says 90 miles. It doesn't yeah. say between 90 and 120. <laughs> That's you know a great I mean? analogy, too. Yeah. We were trying to figure out what exactly is going on. And also we're seeing, I don't know if you've seen that, that hematocrit and red blood cells go down because 
when testosterone is really low as well. And yep. what would be the best way to for people to find out about their test? Is it something they need to do every year? Is it something they the test they have to do? What do you usually do? So it, it's uh, it is contextual depending on where somebody lives. You know, in some countries it's easier than others. But I would say in the United States, it it actually is pretty difficult. But if you have a, a primary care doctor, they're not likely to test testosterone yearly at your physical. Most guys will be like, oh, I have my physical coming up. What blood work should I get? And I'm like, oh, you could ask for, you know, X, Y, Z, but you probably won't get it or you'll get like half of it or whatever. Um, so you can actually order them online. It's really easy right now. Some states they don't send test kits to it, it's so it's blasphemy, really. It's so stupid. Um, but even just a testosterone test, like just that alone, you can always ask and see if you'll get it. Some doctors will do it, but it's helpful to have just to know a trend line. Cause like you said, if you have any, any event in your, uh, life that could be traumatic, you want to know how that affects every part of your body, not just excellent point. Yeah. How are you feeling today? It's more like, all right, what is a traumatic event? If you have a concussion, if you have a baby, your test levels are going to drop. If you've got a, a very stressful breakup, if you lose your job, uh, I don't know, a pandemic, like something like that, you want to know how that is affecting you and how your entire body is reacting to that. So there are guys in their thirties and forties, they've never had lab work done. And I'm like, just start, just get baselines. You know, like you said, you just want to know where you are. So you have something to compare it to just like body composition, like your first yeah. body composition measurement is meaningless until we get to the next one and see what it's doing trend wise. So that's why. Excellent point. And um, as you keep your records, as I say, with everything, because when you can track it, you can fix it. When you have data, you're not guessing, you're, you're actually testing every day in a way. Um, what can actually affect um, testosterone and I'm talking about dudes now, but at some point I want to talk about women because women have testosterone as well. And also when it's really low, we see a lot of problems as well. Yeah, there, so there's like numerous things. Um, I would say the biggest indicator that you probably have low testosterone is if you are obese or very overweight because your body fat tissue is inflammatory and it's suppressing your body's ability to make testosterone. It, you're probably walking around with low testosterone. I've yet to see somebody who is very overweight, who has amazing testosterone levels, unless they're actually on testosterone replacement. So that is affecting it. Number one, people who don't sleep chronically, if you're restricting your sleep to like five hours or less weekly, you're probably going to have lower testosterone. If my you have diabetes. Club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's really early. Yeah, that's early. Yeah. <laughs> um, so also like the increase in plastic production has also coincided with a decrease in sperm production. And like this is really fun because when I'm doing a live lecture and I start talking about plastics and, and like phthalates and parabens and all these things that are in um, you know, uh what's it called? Cosmetics or you know shampoos and stuff like that people are like okay whatever she's like totally off her rocker but now people have heard of it and they're starting to understand like okay this is not like a tree hugging approach this is actually reality <laughs> yeah. you know 
we don't want to be heating things up in plastic because there are things called xenoestrogens, which are fake estrogens that get into our food. So there's so many different angles with that. And I hate like, you know, scaring people saying, well, you know, stay away from red food dye and like all this stuff, because it can be really overwhelming. And I would say like, if you're going to do anything to help mitigate the effects of it, number one, switch all your plastic stuff to stainless steel or glass Yeah, that you're going to be using on the regular. Number two, take inventory of what type of products you put on your body every day. So for guys, you really use a minimal amount of stuff. It's like three things like, you know, shampoo, body wash, conditioner, and like <laughs> aftershave are all in one thing. Right. So, yeah. okay. Is that one product bottle that you have in the shower? Does it have like phthalates and parabens and stuff like that? Because many drugstores and companies are now creating products that don't have that. So it's actually really easy to obtain if you're using it every day and it's going in your skin, it's something that's going to be affecting you. And, and they've actually, they've done studies. Oh my God, this is so crazy. Teenage boys who were using, I, I want to say it was like a dandruff shampoo, but it could have been any shampoo where it was depleting their testosterone levels. And they had gone to this doctor that was trying to figure out what the hell was happening. So they took that out and then retested. And it was the shampoo that was causing it. I have to re-listen to this doctor that was talking about it, but well, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like it was Dr. Eric Serrano who, who I uh, love him. he's great. He's like, genius. And, yeah, yeah. So he, he's the one who discovered this and I was like, Oh my God, like that totally makes sense. So if you have data like that, it tends to kind of instigate someone to change. Otherwise who the hell is going to go through all their bath products and stuff like that. No More more. women too, like cosmetics, you know, makeup, you want all of that to be free of anything that's really going to affect your hormones. So those are some of the bigger things that are also affecting on a global scale, the increase of plastic production and all that stuff. Um, I forgot where I was going with this, but endocrine disrupting chemicals, which those are called, are a big testosterone suppressing chemical. Hence, in Europe and other countries, they're banned. But over here, we're allowed to have them pretty much at free will. Like, it's kind of nuts. So there's... um. There's a researcher named Dr. Anthony J. He's out of the Mayo Clinic, but he wrote a book called Estrogeneration. And if you read it, you're going to be like, all right, I don't want to leave my house. But he, do, he goes over everything that estrogens come from. And it's crazy that we don't have like xenoandrogens, but whatever. I don't make up the chemical laws here. So th those are things to look at is just to really take inventory because if you're using it every day, it's likely affecting you. Um, and then uh, other things are like alcohol, you know, consumption is going to suppress testosterone. If you're not getting sunlight, which can also affect your happiness factor and stuff like that. Stress is a big one. So many guys this last two years either question their testosterone levels, question their TRT protocol, just because of this overwhelming stress suppressing factor. And like the way I, I frame it as an analogy is, and I'm getting into like erection science, but I, I'll go on a lot of tangents usually. So people think like, okay, I have erectile dysfunction. I must have low testosterone. And it's probably unlikely that it is low testosterone only. It is probably more likely that is stress related. So I'll say like, all right, 
how do we achieve an erection? You have to be more parasympathetic. You cannot be stressed. You cannot be overworked. You can't be overtired because as soon as all that starts happening, you can't get an erection. You can't keep it. You can't maintain it. It's not as hard as it used to be. So if you're squatting, you're in the gym, you're performing like a one RM back squat, you are mid rep. Okay. We all know how awful that feels, how heavy that feels and how stressful that is. A girl or a guy or whomever walks in front of you naked and says, yo, let's get it on. Do you really think you're going to be able to switch gears like that? Probably not. So that's exactly what your body's going through when it's under stress. It's like, yo, I can't switch gears that quickly when you have this mass amount of stress and you've got like 400 pounds on your back, you know, holy shit. So if you're sitting on the couch, you're just chilling out and, you know, not hyperventilating, nice, slow breathing. And those same people walk in front of you naked. It's probably a little more likely you'll be able to get a rock hard erection right then. I can hear Barry White going on. on my. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it really is that easy. Like, and that's where a lot of guys questioned, you know, their testosterone levels or their protocols during the pandemic, because the stress was so big that they were having erectile issues. And it really wasn't the testosterone at all. It was really the effect that stress has because your body doesn't know the difference between you're squatting hundreds of pounds or you're on an island starving, like, yeah. So it's not going to think, oh, cool. We're under a lot of stress. We're going to procreate. Procreation is really the last thing it thinks about. It just wants you to survive. So it's not going to put any energy into making you have a a rock hard erection. Like the the same thing is like when people don't eat enough, people think women don't eat enough. Guys don't eat enough as well. So if you're not fueling your body enough to build muscle and train hard, Again, your body will partition all the fuel it is getting to getting your organs to work, getting your brain to function, doesn't care about your boner. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it, it's incredible because um, I, I, love, I love old authors, old books. So I was reading a, a book by Hans Selye about talking about the endocrine yep. pathways of stress. And it turns around that he was a bit worried about what's coming about people being switched on all the time and say so if you're not creating a balance this imbalance is going to start taking from things that actually are there either to produce or either to recover and for all the autoimmunities as well as we're seeing now it's because of that your body doesn't have enough energy or um enough balance say between sympathetic and parasympathetic to actually start recovering all these and when i see 5 a.m clubs or you know, a no pain, no gain. You need to sleep three hours and get out there. And it's like, okay, there's a problem there. Which- yeah, I see that so often. Like you have to be sympathetic to achieve ejaculation. And so guys who are dealing with delayed del- delayed ejaculation or not complete ejaculation are almost like they're too stressed or they're sorry, they're not stressed enough because either they're taking some sort of, you know, drug or, you know, this is why like smoking weed can make you very parasympathetic. Like anything that affects you in that way, you're not going to be able to achieve ejaculation. So you need both. The best way to remember that. And I got this from a medical conference is point and shoot. So to point, you need parasympathetic to shoot. You need to be sympathetic, pretty easy to, Excellent. you know, yeah, to easy. Yeah. yeah. 
So it, it's like, it's one of those things where like, no one discusses the science of erections. And I'm like, okay, hi, I will, you know, at any fitness conference, people tell me like, I just like how blunt you are. And, and like, to me, I don't feel like I'm being more blunt than anyone else. I just feel like I'm being myself. And I don't know, maybe because I don't have a way to increase my vocabulary and stuff, but I'm kind of like, this is the info. This is that's it. I deliver it. So erection science is maybe not something you're going to have a conversation about on your first training session, but it is likely to come up if you do start talking about health and testosterone and stuff like that, because people will automatically associate their boner with their test level and not consider any of the stressful things around them, which can be numerous. Yeah. Regarding the, the biofeedback from a uh, low testosterone, um, you said before low libido, depression. Can we just talk about a little bit about that? Because I, I know you've got a lot of experience with a lot of your uh, patients and uh, uh, clients, and I've seen a lot of your articles about that. So people can just, you know, pinpoint them. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's funny because many guys, when you go to a doctor who is not experienced in dealing with hormone optimization, and I'm thinking, a general practitioner or, or basically anyone covered by insurance in the United States, because you, you can't really get anything preventative through insurance, but I digress. So if you have that conversation with them, they're likely going to say, oh, you're depressed and hand you an antidepressant. Antidepressants, we all know, can have certain effects on people. Some people absolutely need them. But if you're not depressed and you just have low hormones, you don't need it. And it's probably going to backfire and cause even more issues with your testosterone levels. So many guys who have those feelings of depression, it, it's this more feeling like you wake up every day with like this maladed, malaised feeling. Uh, see, I, I, I struggle with vocab. That's why I'm just blunt. Like you feel like shit. How about yeah, that? Yeah. I so, love that. <laughs> you feel I'm like shit. Thing. Yeah. And you're just like, I could go to the gym, but whatever. And then like, you're, you know, maybe you ask your wife permission way too often for things, or you can't decide things like this is a major topic. Cause it ties into masculinity. If you find yourself asking your wife for permission for every single thing, and you can't make decisive, you know, actions, or you can't decide things, you're probably losing your testosterone because testosterone is like the winning hormone for guys. Yeah. Like, yes, it gives you your, your, characteristics with like the V taper and, you know, hair and stuff like that. But it also helps you have that drive of like, we're doing this. And this that's why we close, close link with dopamine as well. That a lot of people don't know. And it plays a lot of part of, on that as well. Big. Yeah. So it, it's like when you lose your ability to do that, that's a big indicator. Yeah. Big red flag because now you're, you're becoming more feminine in a sense as a man, big social topic. And, and I, I tackle that shit head on. Cause I'm like, all right, if we're losing the alpha man, why do we consider that a good thing? Because this, this term, and uh, here we go. Another tangent, toxic masculinity gets thrown around. Oh, I was waiting for that actually. Oh my God. So when I brought this up in my last live talk, I walked through the middle of the room to create a dramatic effect. Right. And I'm like toxic masculinity. And everyone's looking at me like she's one of those feminists and she's yeah. going to go into you it. Go, and I girl. Said, I'm kind of on your side, guys. 
Like, I hate that term. I really hate that term. And that you see this like sign of relief because these are guys in like their 20s, you know, and they're like, oh my God. Um, but this movement of like trying to eradicate masculinity from earth, it, it really bothers me because I think masculinity being associated with bad boy, like behavior is, is so wrong. Like I think people are toxic. People can absolutely be exactly. horrible people. It, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be assigned to a, a sex or a gender. And a lot of guys were very grateful. I brought that up because I've asked colleagues of mine, you know, we live in a world now where men are being shamed for being men and, and they're yeah. very fearful of talking about these things. And I asked, you know, do you fear complimenting a woman? And they're like, oh my God. Yeah. Like if you said, Ali, I like your camo sweater. I could easily be like, all right, Rocco, you're a creep, you know, because a lot of guys get that. And I'll be like, oh, cool. Thank you. Like, you know, I appreciate it. But a lot of the times it's, it's not received that way. It's more received as like, oh, that's weird. Why would you compliment my sweat? Like, why not? Okay. First of all, who does not like to get compliments? Please tell me, you know, like most people do, especially me. I'm like a big love language words of affirmation person. So if you tell me you, you like my shirt, I'm like, oh my God, I love you. It's great. So anyway, getting back on track. So it, it causes an issue with communication because guys sometimes feel paralyzed as to what to say when, and they're a little confused as to their role in society because what men used to be, and I, I, I struggle for lack of a better term, used for, those skills have been replaced by like, you know, we order stuff on Amazon. You yeah. can get them to put it together. We don't need you to put it together. Like, you know, and I'm all for being a strong female. I obviously, you know, have tackled a topic that's very taboo and I don't mind having this discussion, but like I've had women come at me saying, well, we were suppressed okay, that's fine. I'm not saying we have to be less than men. I'm just saying we can all be equal. Let's not try to suppress, you know, the characteristics of a different gender or, or sex just because we don't like certain behaviors that are associated with that. I think it's highly masculine to have a baby and take care of that baby, to not ditch your family. Like you have to earn masculinity. It doesn't just get assigned to you because you're born male. So I think, why does this tie into testosterone? Because I think once guys start losing their identity because they're falling into a lot of these social ideals of what a man is, it, it automatically drops their testosterone level. Like, and, and it's hard to, you know, qualify that, but you see it happening and you see it socially happening. Like there's jokes that we we can't say anymore that we could oh, say there's so many things we cannot say anymore. <laughs> and it's so nuts. And it's like, again, I'm not saying women should be less than men and vice versa. I'm just saying like, except our, like, I loved what, uh, what Jordan Peterson said about like 12 years ago about saying, leave it alone. You cannot cheat biology in any means, accept it. It doesn't matter about the wrong things that happen. Cause when you say toxic masculinity, People only think toxic, bad, right? Yeah. Which it is. But then you add what? The identity of a, of a, of a, you know, a, a man. But then when you're saying I'm a man, it's bad. But a, a <laughs> woman can come back and compliment you for something. Nothing is wrong. But if you right. do it, 
then the whole thing changes. And I understand why we're trying to divide something that's already divided. And being able to be a gentleman, as I say sometimes, and being uh, courteous and being a person that has values and is kind, doesn't matter if you're a female or a male, that's universal. So we need to let it go. Yes. And actually, ironically, yesterday, Time Hop, the app where yeah. it shows, yeah, posts from years past. So last year I did a poll on Instagram and I asked ladies only, I said, do you appreciate chivalry? 98% said yes. 98%. And I also asked whomever, men, women, do you believe in some stereotypical gender roles? 97% said yes. But you would never see that no. openly in public. And then I asked if if a guy had been called a misogynist, and it was like half and half. Um, and then I I asked um, men if they're afraid to compliment women. It was like 60-40. You know, just asking these questions, I think, opens your eye because it's like, all right, the people are saying one thing, but then society is saying another thing. No wonder you guys are confused. And another important aspect to that is, as you said, like guys are not being guys. Think about our children now, but also like Gen Z, I think it's called, right? Yeah. So we're now telling boys not to fight, not to, you know, like, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was in grade school, like guys would beat the shit out of each other on the playground. Oh, they're being boys. And now it's like, you have to have like a, a town wide meeting if they get in a fight on the playground, you know, or if they they want to do martial art, like martial arts is probably the best thing for both boys and girls teaching boys how to fight. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but we're making it out to be a bad thing. And now they don't even like get to socialize because of what's happened with schools and stuff. So it, it's kind of crazy that you know, we're, we're telling boys not to be boys. And so they're going to grow up thinking being a man is a bad thing. I don't know. And, and we need to understand that uh, because everybody gets their info from media and we need to understand what the word means, mediates things, it filters things. <laughs> and by mediating things, they actually trying to promote what they want to promote. So if people want to actually find information, they need to start digging in and getting uh, immediate things rather than immediate things. Because um, that's not where the truth is. And we see that all day long at schools and kids having depression. And because if you're fighting something that you, you're not actually it, you're actually creating a lot more problems. I made a post this morning saying that just say what you need to say. Don't keep it because then it's your problem. Right. Exactly. And and I'm sure some people will think of like, because I've started studying um, gender identity and fluidity and, and trans, trans men and women to better understand that world because I think it gets confused with me saying that because of what's happening socially, this is causing more gender fluidity and identity issues. And, and I don't think that. I started studying the science behind that. Sex, absolutely, you are born a certain sex. We are all born pretty much assigned male or female. Now, developing wise, like we're all female until we develop testicles, but due to the increase in these chemicals and stuff like that, 
people are being born with undescended testicles, with one testicle, one ovary. They've changed the word hermaphrodite to intersex, where you're not really a female or a male. It's a very difficult decision for the parent as to how to raise that child. I don't care if, if, a, if a little boy wants to wear a dress, if it were my little boy, like, sure, I would let him. I have no problem with people expressing who yeah. they want to be. You can identify with whatever. I, I don't. It doesn't matter to me. I'm just saying scientifically, men are being born more feminized due to the exposure of these chemicals. And it's, it's a major issue because, again, lower testosterone levels, smaller penises, undescended testicles, like those are health issues. And that's why now you brought that up. I don't know if you read the, the book Testosterone by uh, Carol, actually. Um, she is yeah. Carol Hoven, amazing book. I can send over. Um, she actually <laughs> talks about, I don't care. She says, what, what do you want to do? Test and check that everything hormonally is right. I'm not saying anything about what people want to do, but there are people out there that is trying to transition, which they didn't want to actually because there were hormonal imbalances. And again, it's not about pointing the finger or anything. We are yeah. all, uh, I always say love is the universal language and we should all be you know, speaking and listening to love, but check first, see what the hormone says, as you actually said, and then do whatever you want. Totally. And I love that we're having this discussion because I think people think this, but then they're afraid to speak on it. I mean, I, I have short hair and usually short hair is thought to be, oh, she might be a lesbian. You know, people know I'm not, but I've never had people question it. But there are people that like they totally just associate that. Now, I am a major tomboy because I talk about testosterone. I love fast cars. And like, I'm not into designer clothes. When I was a child, like my friends that I played with were boys before I went to all girls school, my friends were boys. So I would, you know, play in the sprinkler with swim trunks on no shirt. And my mom was like, whatever, you know, like, and it was a phase. And I, I mean, I'm still a tomboy, but I've never been attracted to women ever. But when I was a kid, like you wouldn't have known because I dressed like a boy and, and I was wearing like swim trucks. If kids want to do that, like fine, let them, you know, explore themselves yes. and all that stuff. There's absolutely no judgment. And those who do want to transition, like the, the hormonal um, therapy protocols are also like something that I'm trying to learn better because there's this stigma with the competition in, you know, sports yes. with, trans men and trans women and everything. So it, it's understanding what levels are accepted and what aren't and all that. But like, there's, there's uh, people on TikTok, this girl who was a man, she transitioned to female. She got the surgery. She's a comedian too. So she like is very openly talks about um, any awkward questions. You know, her name is Kenzie. And oh, people ask yes. like, yeah, yeah she's Love hilarious. Her. And they're like, can you have sex? Do you get a period? Like, these are all questions that should not be awkward socially. And I think understanding the transitions going to help us all become more comfortable yes. understanding it because there's a big difference. What you and I are talking about is that men are affected by these stigmas, I guess, depleting their testosterone. If you are born with lower sperm or undescended testicles and a smaller penis, you are likely to have less testosterone. Yeah. It's just a scientific fact. 
whether that person wants to stay a man or a male or identify as something else, it doesn't matter. We're just talking about scientifically, this is how guys are being affected. And tell the truth, it's none of our business. Exactly. People like, can do whatever they want. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean? Yeah. And we love them for whatever they choose. And the main, the main concern is how, for someone that has a low test, can increase it. And I'm not gonna, I want to touch on the TRTs that I've seen and the HRTs out there that sometimes are, you need to laugh. But, and I know you're going to touch on that, but um, how can you increase, let's say, naturally our testosterone? So, going back to what depletes it, what can we actually control? So, we can't control what our mom exposed us to in the womb, right? However, we can control what we eat. So if we're eating junk, then our body is going to become more inflamed. It's going to lower our testosterone levels. So I would say sleep. So getting sleep, it's like so boring to talk about who cares. Like, you know, like you were saying the 5 a.m. club, like I used to have CEOs that would come off a red eye and come to the gym and I would send them home. I'm like, you're, you're trash. And I'm still charging you for today, but I'm sending you home because you're going to thank me later. And like, they would literally fall asleep, like trying to put their shoes on in the chair. And it's just not worth it. Like you're not a hero. You're not better than anybody. And frankly, I don't know about you, but like, if, if you're up like that, I don't know how productive you're going to be over the course of a day with four hours of sleep, unless you're taking a mass amount of like Adderall or something like cocaine to stay awake. I don't know who's actually being productive. So this whole like work smarter, not harder is such a better approach. So getting sleep and prioritizing sleep is not something that will take you away from your pr productivity. You may have to go to bed an hour earlier, which means you're not going to check emails for an hour and you're not going to watch a certain show. I guarantee you, you're going to feel a lot better. Like, yeah, we've been going to bed at nine o'clock and it seems early because it comes so fast, but then you feel so much better the next day versus you know, Plus consistency, yeah. right? Nine o'clock every day. Yeah, totally consistent. So working on changing around your sleep schedule, if you have the ability to do that, again, if somebody has kids or a job that requires time zones and stuff like that, understand you do what you can, but say somebody can't control, they do have kids or they just, they can't sleep longer than five, six hours. You can control the amount of exercise that you do. You can control your diet. So exercise is a stressor, even though people find relief, Thank you. it still is a stress on the body. So you don't have to train six days a week. If you're not sleeping, you can train three and you can make a lot of progress because you can also control your diet. You have no control over what your job demands of you to an extent where if you have to be present at 11 PM, cause you're dealing with Singapore or whatever fine, but at least you can control that. You don't have to train the next day. You control can just stressors. Exactly. You can control the stressors. You can eat high protein, you know, restrict calories a little bit and walk. Walking has no effect on stress hormones. It actually lowers stress hormones. So I shouldn't say it has no effect. It has no effect in raising stress hormones, excessive cardiovascular exercise will, and people will try to make up for what they lost over a day, just go for a walk. Like it's okay. So that is something that can automatically reclaim the test levels that you're losing by not sleeping. 
So another thing is um, getting adequate vitamin D in sunlight because vitamin D is a hormone that is uh, associated with testosterone. So if you're deficient, you're likely going to be deficient in testosterone. And then what I was saying before, switching out plastic for glass and stainless steel and stuff like that. And that's really the extent of what you can do naturally until you have to explore going on testosterone replacement if you continue to be very low. But regardless, if you go on TRT or if you go on other steroids or whatever you want to do, you still have to put in the work in the gym, at home, in your diet and all of that stuff. So it's not a Band-Aid. It's not a panacea. There's nothing that can provide you the benefits of cleaning up your lifestyle. In between the TRT and the lifestyle, we say, there, let's say we've got a small gap of supplements. I had to, sorry. Um, <laughs> Besides the part that I've been looking for, and when you say you point your shoot, there's, yep. you know, because we've got actual suppressing hormones of, you know, trying to recharge that pointing thing, um, we might need B6, zinc, magnesium, stuff like that, that can actually help us a bit more. But let's say for natural supplements that can actually help raising our testosterone, what's your take? <clears throat> so um, those testosterone boosters, the things that look too good to be true and are like $80, those are all bullshit. The only thing that, that can maybe help is ashwagandha because it can help by lowering stress. Six or Yes. Yes. The best kind, but like things like, you know, tribulus and long Jack and like uh, all these long things, Jack. Like, I love that. They don't work. They don't work like horny goat weed and stuff. Now, some of those things you may feel libido increase, but that doesn't mean your testosterone increase. They're completely separate. Yeah. So I, I would say like, if you're considering supplements and you're not taking a multivitamin start there, because that's really like you're covering all bases and cofactors for the, uh, um, digestion of the food that you're eating. So there's a lot of people that are like, I don't want to take a multivitamin, but they'll take like this, you know, test boost 9,000. And I'm like, this makes no sense. So otherwise it, there's really nothing that, that will increase your testosterone to a level that you're just going to feel incredibly different. And as we age naturally, we lose about a percent of that test regardless of our lifestyle, but we can actually delay that kind of, um, let's say decline on testosterone and now going up to TRT because what's, I know you've seen a lot of, uh, practitioners creating those protocols, what's your take and how, what's your take overall for uh, TRT? So the hierarchy of delivery methods, I would say number one would be injections. And that is because you literally cannot get any more like pure than injecting it directly into you. You can also change the dose and the frequency and you can change the protocol protocol quite easily. Next in line would be scrotal cream. So the skin around the scrotum, it's like eight times more permeable. So it is likely to absorb quite well. And guys who don't like needles, that's a great option for them. So scrotal cream, some guys do really well on it. Some guys don't so much, but I would say those are like the top two. Everything else is garbage, but, but they will, doctors will try to sell you on things like pellets, which are like tic-tac size. Um, things that have to be inserted in your glute. So not only is it invasive, but it releases whatever level of testosterone it wants. 
and how you metabolize that is going to be very different across each person. Yeah. So in order to change your dosage, you have to go back and get another uh, surgery or whatever. And they're very expensive. I mean, it's, it's a great way to monetize. They're like, I've seen anywhere from six to 800 per insertion and it takes like 15 minutes. So it's a good, it's a good amount of money to make, you know, in an hour. It's so a lot of milligrams of testosterone yeah. there. Exactly. So cool. Um, yeah. And injections and creams are way less expensive. And then they have things like gels, which you don't hear so much about andro gel um, because it's trash. They don't absorb very well. Um, and it's inconsistent too with the absorbency that it does have. They have a nasal spray now. They've got um, a pill. All of these are just suboptimal delivery methods because you can't patent a hormone. So companies have to come up with different ways that they can monetize the delivery of it. You can't charge any more than testosterone injections cost, but you can charge a lot for pellets. You can charge more for nasal spray and stuff like that. So all of that has been found to be suboptimal. Now, if you are lucky enough to get injections or cream, lucky the, fre the frequency and the dosage matters a lot. So like in the fitness industry, doing like BOSU ball crunches is kind of something we did 30 years ago. Injecting once every two weeks or once a month is something they did 30 years ago. So you want to be injecting minimal twice a week, I would say. Because the more frequent, the more it's like the release pattern of your body, the better you're going to feel. You're actually better off not going on testosterone than going on once a month or once every two weeks because the increase in the crash is just going to feel awful. Yeah. So that's kind of the approach you want to take. So when you're seeking out a doctor, you want to seek somebody who is going to be an out-of-pocket cost because, again, anyone covered by insurance, likely not going to be helpful especially in the U S and you want to seek out somebody who has been doing this for the majority of their practice, who deals with hormone optimization, who is a specialist in either anti-aging hormone replacement. You know, those are some of like the keywords. So what would be the, what would those people um, see actually? Cause I know it's different in different countries. Like here, it's a lot easier to do that. Um, I had patients that wore the gel and they didn't even know that, you know, you need to have, a bit of blood flow to the skin in the area that you need to add the gel because it plays a massive role uh, to absorb. And then they went on their GP actually to ask for injections and the whole world changed. They, they <laughs> just started, yeah, they was, it was just incredible. Like seeing a person that's 52 years old and see how actually like the first three, like they actually said that when this, when they injected, they actually started feeling it, which it's going to take a bit of a while, but in three weeks after, there were different people, so motivated, start looking good, uh, uh, more lean mass. Uh, they can perform better in numerous ways, bedroom work, their kids. What's your experience with people on TRT? Um, as far as like how they feel? How they feel, how they look, what's, have you seen any side effects? So a lot of guys will read or hear of like, horror stories that have been refuted and, and dismissed. So like TRT causes cancer, TRT causes cardio uh, events. Not true at a therapeutic dose. 
they might be at risk for that if they're taking bodybuilder doses, but we're talking grams versus milligrams here. So all of that literature has been, you know, refuted and it, it, it's really not a risk at all. And guys who go on testosterone end up kind of reclaiming their manhood in a way where they feel amazing. I did actually like a, a poll, I think it was last week, um, where I asked, what has TRT done for you? And all these guys answered and a lot of women answered for their husband. And, and it was like, you know, I jump out of bed. I have energy again. Like I have motivation. I have sex drive. I perform better in the gym, like all these positives. Cause it's such a good thing, but then gets associated with this stigma of like, well, it's a needle. So it's a steroid and yeah, it's a steroid hormone. But again, the therapeutic dosage is way less than what a bodybuilder is taking. And a bodybuilder will usually come or add other things on top of the testosterone that they're taking. So that's just, I've seen amazing things and guys also like some guys are like, well, I don't want to, you know, explode into muscles. And I'm like, listen, a <laughs> lot of guys on TRT, you would never know they're on TRT. Like you still, if you want to look a certain way, you have to put the work in the gym. Exactly. The TRT doesn't create that. Like I wish it did. Most guys wish it would, but it doesn't do that. And if we talk numbers, what's your uh, input in the dosage? Is that like two uh, milligrams per body weight or? I mean, I think starting lower and going, going slow and seeing how you feel is always a good idea. So most guys will start between 75 and 120 milligrams a week, which I think is a very conservative, good way to start. Most of them cap out at around 200 milligrams. Yeah. So, you know, the, the legal limit that doctors here can prescribe is 400 a week. I don't, I've never seen anyone at that. Very few guys are in the three hundreds even. So yeah, it's a lot, but it's like, it, it could be unnecessary too. Oh yeah. So, so that's usually that. where they're around or hanging out. So, and I've, I've, I've been seeing your, um, taking clients and trying to create, uh, and actually a really positive environment. Actually, you're optimizing their biological capacity. Um, what should, you know, clients expect from you, uh, training with you and actually being under your supervision? A lot of uh, truth. <laughs> no. I love that. Um, so when when someone trains with me, my coaching program approach is training and nutrition together. I used to offer like nutrition only and training only, and I found that when you don't have control of both variables, it makes it really difficult because unless it's you know like I have a couple of Charlie's clients that he he trains people okay, fine. Like I know the person, I know what type of program they're on and I trust that. Otherwise it's hard to match the training to the nutrition, you know, and then also you don't know how hard the person's training and stuff like that. So I have people upload videos if they're willing to on true coach, which is the app that I use so I can critique their training. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, if I need them to change positions or even train harder, like some of my guys, I'll poke fun at them. I'll be like, dude, I warm up with what you're doing right now. Like, come on, you know, and they'll just stick to the rep range. Like if the rep range is eight to 10, they'll like go to 10. And I'm like, could you have done like 10 more? Okay. Maybe we need to increase the weight, you know, but there's people that don't understand that they've never been exposed to like hard training. So 
I know like reps and reserve is like a big approach right now. And, and I think it's great for a fitness professional, but for a gen pop client, like no if idea. they, if they stop as soon as it gets hard, they have a rep and reserve of like 20, like, no. So they can expect me to talk to them like this. So then it's monitoring their sleep, their biofeedback, um, you know, their nutrition, depending on their goal, we may make tweaks weekly, monthly, you know, again, depending on their consistency and, and what we're looking for and stuff. And then if they want to explore getting testosterone replacement, I can help be their medical liaison, pointing them in the right direction with the right people. If they're in the U S if they're not in the U S I have people who can prescribe UK and Australia, um, and maybe Europe soon. So, but we'll that's see. amazing. And how do you actually monitor their sleep, their actually their biofeedback? So if they have an aura ring, which is this ring that uh, tracks sleep and steps and stuff like that, um, a lot of my clients have one. And so they can be put on our aura teams account, which I can see all their data. I'm like a stalker. Like I can see, all right, <laughs> you went to bed at 2 a.m. You know, what like, were you doing? <laughs> Ooh. So you can see like their heart rate data. You can actually tell if they're getting sick, if their temperature goes up, stuff like that. So I kind of, it's a lot to monitor. It's a lot, but you know, training online is a lot harder than it is coaching somebody in person. Oh yeah. Amen to that. And where can people get, I know they're actually uh, doing seminars and you teach what, well, where are we going to see you next? So actually in a few weeks, I'm launching an online product called testosterone school, up, which, you know. yes, it's like, a. I don't even know how to explain it. It's like a summary of everything that I've learned, but in a very basic format. So it's an online do it yourself course, TRT 101, I'm sorry, testosterone 101. And we go into TRT and I've interviewed several practitioners regarding certain subjects. And it's basically what is testosterone? Why do I need it? causes, signs, symptoms, nutrition, fitness, TRT delivery methods, all of these things. So there's a list in my um, Instagram. I almost said my Amazon <laughs> um, at the Allie Gilbert. There's a link in my bio. If you get on that list, you will get all the information. You will get exclusive pricing and early access. So that will be launching in a few weeks. And then on February 5th, I'll be in Orlando speaking at the Raise the Bar conference. Charlie will be there as well. So all about testosterone. Yeah. Yeah. Looking for I've signed up. I cannot travel, but I've signed up for the online version. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that's where I'll be next. And then hopefully all goes smoothly for the Perform Better Summits this summer. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I was planning to travel for that. Um, send a message to Coach Boyle as well. Um, yes, it's been it's been a bit of a trouble. I think we're we can see some light at the end of the tunnel now, and hopefully we'll have you in Europe soon. And I'm looking forward to seeing you guys in person soon. Yes, thank you, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for your time, Ali.